0: Anything that is said in the heat of battle. <laughs> it's just it's just for fun, don't take it personally. Welcome to the Fallout Podcast, episode 17, aka Void Media Craig. It's a fall It's a fall moment of truth. All 525 five songs going toe-to-toe in a terminal conquistador shootout. hewn from four eons. 77 to 85, 86 to 93, 94 to 2001, 2002 to 2017. And joined, as always, by Mr. Pippington Beard, the Ace of Wands, full of the devil's fire.
1: How goes it? I'm I'm excellent, thank you, Mr. Brennan.
0: Excellent, excellent. Over there we have Lord Sage Temple with his throbbing cups. How are you? Uh,
2: very well. I just uh, fell into a bit of a doze post-bath, and so I've just been rudely awoken.
0: Exactly. It's almost as if you're living in some kind of modernist novel. (laughs) More on that later. And over there we have the Pemberton Walker with his sodden hills. How are you doing, Alistair? Aye, aye.
3: All right, a little soggy. Not not quite as damp as last week, though.
0: We're we're all drying out little by little, aren't we? An invisible peel rattle in the chains in the back room. So tonight, here's a question for you. Debbie Harry, Courtney Love... Brick Smith, am I being sexist? Phil Rigby. <laughs>
1: uh, probably. However, I can see your train of thought, though. These are all women that you've had various crushes on over your musical career. They're all
0: beautiful, blonde, rocking ladies who made fantastic music. Should I be so shallow in grouping people? um uh, Yeah, you, you might
3: put the lovely eggs into that uh, basket as well. They are a very good band, aren't they? I'm are I'm saying? I think they're
0: kind of a, a paraphrased to fall at times. Well, maybe they'll show up one day on this pod. Ezra, what do you make of those three ladies that I've just cited? Apropos uh, I'm theme?
2: upset that you skipped Barbara Windsor.
0: <laughs> Babs is actually the fourth corner of that square. And Mary Whitehouse, come on, let's, let's expand it further. So coming up tonight... We have Slanking from the wonderful and frightening world of Fall. Also, up against futures and past of Witch Trails. And then, a revelation that is autotech pilot from the B-side of Mr Pharmacist up against the mammoth Curious Orange from Ballet of Said Name, 1988. Then Spencer Must Die off Levitate up against due Formation Sermon off Are You Are Missing Winner. And then finally two songs off <coughs> the final fall album, New Facts Emerge. We have Victoria Train Station Massacre up against Segwe, Segu, Segway. Very good. So before we get into that though, Ezra, you have brought to the table, something for a section we might call futures and past. We did Captain Beefheart and Frank Sidebottom. Who's on the agenda today?
2: Uh, We have the early modernist novelist Knut Hampson. There's no need to call names. What do we need to know
0: about this young chap and his connections to said band The Fall?
2: To start with The Fall, in Renegade, Smith brings out a well-known anecdote of him curing himself of tuberculosis by sitting on a train. I mean, sitting on a train, not in a train. So he's on record as being one of Marky e. Smith's favorite writers. In terms of influence, it's the innovated tremulous sinking your teeth into reality, certainly the figure of the isolated individual at war with themselves and the rest of reality and society.
0: Do you have a little segment that you are going to read that, that may have a similar vibe to some of Smith's misanthropic person, unreliable narration?
2: Yes, I do. I was. Th-
0: that's handy, isn't
2: it? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be handier when I find it. But yeah, I was... Looking for some good excerpts, there was another one which is from the novel Mysteries. The narrator drunkenly grabs a violin in a desperate attempt to impress a woman in a beer hall and plays it in such a manner as to render everybody struck dumb by his playing. And given Mr. Smith's uh, various times on the violin, I thought that would be great. But anyways, what I do have is a section from the book Hunger, which is Hampson's first book and is basically the story of a man who would rather starve than get any kind of a job on any terms other than his own, and his own terms are so completely ridiculous that he's essentially unemployable and therefore starves himself insane. In this section, he's just been arrested for vagrancy and he's in his prison cell all at once i snapped my fingers a couple of times and laughed hellfire and damnation i had discovered a new word i sat up in bed and said it is not in the language i have discovered it kuboa it has letters just like a real word my sweet jesus man you have discovered a word kuboa of tremendous linguistic significance. The words stood out clearly in front of me. In the dark, I sat with wide eyes, astonished at my discovery, laughing with joy. Then I fell to whispering. They could very well be spying on me, and I must act so as to keep my invention secret. I had arrived at the joyful insanity hunger was, I was empty and free of pain and my thoughts no longer had any check. I debated everything silently with myself. My thoughts took amazing leaps as I tried to establish the meaning of my new word. It needn't mean either God or the Tivoli Gardens. And who had said it had to mean cattle show? I clenched my fists hard and repeated again, Who said it had to mean cattle show? When I thought it over, it was in fact not even necessary that it mean padlock or sunrise. In a word like that, it was very easy to find meaning. I would just wait and see. In the meantime, I would sleep on it.
0: Indeed. So we've got paranoia. We've got mystical wordplay. Alistair and Phil, do you know much of this chat? Do you see any link between this Feller in the fall
1: i've not read any of hampsons stuff i knew of him possibly because of reading biographies of smith i think he, he also kind of comes under that problematic kind of character as well doesn't he so uh, that probably aligns with smith as well
0: well i mean he did have afternoon tea with hitler so you know um but the art and the artist whether you separate them or not that's uh that's for another day just like listening to Radio 4, isn't it? You know, if I see it going cheap, I might pick it up, give it a go. So, thanks for bringing that to our table to add to the smorgasbord. Shall we move on to the first song this evening? Just give me a second.
1: I'm actually doing that though. I was listening to one, another podcast because there are other podcasts apart from this one uh, the other day. And I heard a story about Franz Kafka, another one of these modernist writers about him uh, stumbling upon a little girl who'd lost her doll, and he helped her try to find the doll, but they couldn't find the doll. So he said, come back tomorrow. And there was a little letter waiting for her by the doll, and then uh, she used to get these regular letters over time talking about all these wonderful adventures that the doll had, and then about a year later, the doll turned up again, but the doll looked totally different. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it?
0: Futures and paths, is it? Let's start with Slanking. So Phil, there's a term I don't know if you've come across it to call picnic. Probably mean content. New to me.
1: It's new to not me, a that computer.
0: One. <laughs> Phil, what do you make of this song?
1: Yes. Yes, 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 yes. This is fab. I um I, I must have heard this song before, I obviously not paid attention when it's come up on the album. But um just listening to it on its own and, and possibly <laughs> after last week's slight trudge of a of a Playlist. This is fab. Proper just pops off the speakers and it's a uh, really sort of groovy riff that they get going and um, feels very, just feels effortless the way that they sort of drop the tune and his lyrical references are very playful in it. Um, the Mr. and Mrs. Smith line, All Here Is Ace, the Tuck Shop Purchase line which always takes me by surprise and makes me giggle when i hear it It, it's a really happy song i don't normally associate the fall with doing happy tunes but it's got a real happy feel to it for me it's a bit of a head bobber and i think a lot of that is down to uh, bricks and that kind of very falsetto vocal and i think which is is just perfect Uh, but it's that keyboard as well isn't it that i think we're all talking about earlier on in the week it just lifts the whole song as well it's great so yeah, double thumbs up.
0: It's brilliant. Oh, what do you make of
3: Slanking? Yeah, it's a really good song. Nice poppy sort of 80s groove. D- dead basic guitar riff. Uh, you know, kind of like Stooges-y, possibly velvety kind of groove to it. Really like the high trem effects on the, the guitar with a really quick sort of kickback to it. Some great fills on there. Phil mentioned the keyboards. you got that really nice sort of strawberry switchblade-esque up there, pop tuny type sound to it but then another part she's just got like this it sounds like interference and i think that's the keyboard as well as just mixing up the pop to the dirt but yeah great groove love it hi hi ezra
2: yeah when i first heard this on the playlist i wasn't particularly grabbed by it fairly murky production is just rendered doubly murky by the uh, crappy quality of youtube so when i actually pulled out the computer and listen to the versions from the omnibus edition of uh, the wonderful and frightening world it completely knocked my socks off it was absolutely fantastic really interesting reading about it as well because apparently there's a bunch of twilight zone connection but one quote from one of these episodes which i think is called maybe the four of us are dying has this from uh, mr rod Serling. Mr. Archie Hammer, Jack of all trades, has just checked in at 3.80 a night with two bags of newspaper clippings, a most odd talent and a master plan to destroy some lives. Which I thought was a great (laughs) description of Mr. Smith. And then reading on further, I, I find that there was a rumor that Miles Davis himself heard this song and wanted to collaborate with The Fall. I've spent a lot of the day trying to imagine why I wish it had happened.
0: Even though that's weird, it's not as far as it sounds because he did do some stuff with Scritti Politti, I think, and some stuff with Pill. Yeah, it would have been cool to hear Miles and uh, Amez. Miles, massive idiosyncratic in, in his playing and stars in the same way that Smith was. I think there's actually a lot of connections between those two characters, though not really oh, musically... Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think I think blood would be spilt if those two ever met.
0: I don't it know were, they if were,
3: would have be been spilt first, but it'd definitely be spilt.
0: It would be handbags at uh, ten paces, by because Miles would have been in his sixties on his last legs at this point, and Smith would have been on, in his forties on his last legs. I um, like you
2: imagine there would have been a hilarious speed and cocaine mix-up. Exactly.
0: And we had a couple of songs. They try. Well, they tried to elevate a song that was much more kind of like loop based or rhythmical, and it didn't really work. This one, it, those keyboards, like Phil saying, it. Just there's just something magic. I, I love the song, but mostly because of that sound. Uh, and apparently, Paul Hanley playing those keys, which is uh, very nice. The the backing vocals on the chorus, the the right kind of pitch shifter abuse the slang. Um, can't quite get re- head around right exactly what he's going on about in the lyrics but like you say there's a lot of great lyrics in there words from a cheap man part paid type who got his style from a press treatise swoop swoop of all media Craig for the honors binge his triumphant procession Down the road of Quees.
1: It's strange Uh, because at places it feels autobiographical, doesn't it? We talk about Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and then in other places it feels like he's spinning a bit of a narrative. Because I I wonder where we're going to mention the Peter Hamill connection as well around Jargon King. As an idea, he's probably just borrowed that kind of turn of phrase. He's a big Peter Hamill fan as well, isn't he? I
0: mean, the Slime King ties into the idea of
1: maybe something to do with him being a writer.
0: Of course, that would fit in with a Naked Lunch kind of idea as well. Maybe we're going to look at it, but it's up against a fairly tough opponent, which is Futures and Paths offer uh, Witch Trials. Did Pete Lee come through with any opinions on uh, blanking before we move on?
1: Uh, Scrolling across the wall last night, says, Love this sleazy groove, sort of 60s sounding in a strange way, ethereal backing vocals, and I love the gamelan sounding keys in the chorus, the tape cassette sounding talking section. Apparently, it's filled with Twiglet's own references. I'm not sure if that's deliberate, but I've no idea really, and I don't care. I didn't know I loved this as much as I do after his handwriting is appalling. As I do after this week, this is Peak Beggar's Fall. I might put it on a compilation mix I made for no one. Had to put the curly whirly back. Nice. All right. Hit us with futures
0: and past and see if this can stand up to the onslaught. It's off the first album, so it must be good, right, Al? Damn straight,
3: yeah. Uh, it's the usual witch trails comments. I love the LP. Nice punky tune. Uh, you got those trademark festivals, fills, the plinky plunky Frank side bottom style keys. I love it. I often wondered whether or not they are actually trying to be annoying because you know it's, it's an amazing talent to do it well, and uh, I think they've, they've accomplished that really you know in a in a, a very interesting way on this LP. Even like for the for the punk stuff, it, it is it's some pretty annoying sounding stuff. But once you get into it, you kind of work out what it is that's absolutely brilliant about it. But yeah, futures and past, great tune.
0: Yeah, it it uh, right from the get go. Even though it's punky and there's a lot of punky-ish pop punky stuff on this album, they separate themselves from the from the crowd. And I think that annoying keyboard, that's a big part of it. Ezra, what do you make of futures and pass?
2: Yeah, it's an absolute banger. Really love it. And yeah, I'm pretty sure, following on from what Al was saying, I'm pretty sure that they were trying to be as annoying as possible. It's a great song, and the lyrics are really interesting as well. Like, it seems to be about the the cyclic nature of life or of consciousness, maybe, that you're doomed to repeat the same mistakes, or maybe in this case, the same emotional fuck-ups. There's not really that much chance of a mistake, uh, or, sorry an escape as he says you can cry for your lost childhood will you cry for our lost childhoods but remember how you hated it and worse cuz you couldn't state it i understand but i don't see it yeah it's fantastic stuff
0: it is uh, he bangs on again anti nostalgia quite a lot doesn't he in several songs and this is one where he seems to say uh, it was no better back then Maybe, so, yeah. So,
1: I'm, I'm definitely a bit more lukewarm about the, the more punky with the capital P type stuff. But well, this is, uh, um, um, I've got a bit of a soft spot for this tune. I think this one's one of the better ones that fall under that bracket of uh, the Witch Trials kind of stuff. And on the first couple of lessons, I must admit, I did kind of write it off a little bit. It's just uh, its another one of them daft punk songs, isn't it, off the first album. But then when I I, I spent a bit of time reading the lyrics, and I must admit, I I just warmed on it so much after reading the words, because it throws in a few kind of dummy passes, doesn't he, in the lyrics? It's like he starts talking about policemen, you think, oh, it's going to be a bit politicalist, isn't it? And then it's it's not at all. He just totally misdirects you with all that stuff. And that, like uh, the anti-nostalgia stuff that you were talking about and the line that, as a reference that really kind of made me chuckle the whole sort of, you know, Thinking about your childhood, but that was uh, you know that was crap too. So I, I I really really enjoyed getting into this one. The only thing that really put me off was some of the musical choices towards the end of it as well. And you hear some of the guitar, it's a bit cheesy. Some of the rock and roll vamping that comes in at the end, that's that's a bit of a turn off for me. But um, overall, yeah, it's this is probably one of the uh, the best songs on the album from from my money.
0: I really like the drum sound they got on it, and I think Carl Burns is all over the place. He's doing all kinds of really interesting kind of fills and uh, rolls. What, do you make of the drumming, now?
3: Yeah, it, I mentioned the, the fast fills and stuff before it, and it is kind of like bouncing all over the place. This album's a
1: bit like that though, isn't it? The, the, the drumming on this album is like pretty manic.
3: It was Sorry. one of the things that stood out for oh. me kind of like early on uh, when I first started listening. Like you said before, you know, some, some of the, the other ones, the slower tunes that are like less punky, they still, they, that's I think where they, the, the sound really developed from. And, you know, the faster ones fell out of favour. Occasionally you get something like Pay Your Arts coming in there or uh, Hey Students. Yeah, I, I think they, they developed more from the Witch Trials era slower tunes. And that big tin—that was where the bulk of the
0: sound came from later on in the career. So you're getting into the lyrics there. I, each of his little segments, even though they're about three or four lines long, they do paint a picture, I think, of a future or a past. So he's talking about, uh, in the first couple of verses, it seems like maybe it's contemporary, he's dozing, his mother is brought home. It's got this really kind of 1930s, 1940s kind of threadbare Kind of vibe going on, but I, I couldn't quite get my head around it. He's looking back to his youth, and then he's looking forward to people in their late thirties and saying, "Well, that's shit. It was shit in the old past. It's going to be shit in the future." But you know, at least today I'm having a little bit of a nap, even though it's. Uh, Some
1: horrific things going on. It struck me that it adds a bit of like dream logic going on with it as well. He starts off and he's in a dream, and then I think in his next verse, it's like a bit of a drunken kind of dream or something. It it did strike me as having that. uh, You know, you're you're expecting a small person to come past wearing a funny hat or something. It's it's like one of those dream sequence type things, isn't it? Where it doesn't make a lot of logical sense, but you kind of get what emotionally what he's after. I understand, but I can't
0: see it, which I think is the weakest of the of the song for me. But, um, you know, maybe he was happy in the haze of a drunken hour. But uh, that's for a different time, isn't it? What about Peel? What about JP?
1: So, Peel says... This is also really good and a prime slice of early fall. It almost gets the nod just for the way Mez says futures and ah. Very straight and punky sound wise, except for the clean guitars with all the mids and nothing else. The drums make me wet like everything on Witch Trials.
0: It's wet a lot, doesn't he,
1: Pale. It's very dumb. Yes.
0: So let's take a vote. Obviously, he's slanking, has edged it for him. What are you going with, Phil?
1: I'm going with Slanking because I don't like the vampire
3: guitar at the end of uh, Futures and Past. Fair enough. Al? I'm going for Slanking because it's more of an accomplished song. There's a lot of different things going on in different parts for uh, Futures and Past It's simplistic. It's a bloody great song, like, you know. but um, Slanking is really, as it, it, uh, Ezra would say, it's a banger. He would say that,
0: wouldn't he? He may, well. Ezra, we'll so which one are you going for?
2: Um, I'll go for futures and pasts just to be contrary.
0: Nice. Good, good. And I'm also going for Slanking. So it is uh, an easy escape route for Slanking. If you don't mind, Phil, if you could line up Auto Tech Pilot off the Mr. Pharmacist single. Nice. So uh, Ezra, what do you make of Auto Tech Pilot 1986?
2: Like so many four songs, it's a revelation. It's got a really nice kind of simmer at the beginning with the kind of slower pace and the old sampled and held synthesizer blues. Lyrically, it's a, it's a theme I like a lot, which is the utter shitness of technology and how technology is going to fuck us all. Yeah, I really, really like just the Autotech pilot isn't going to land. It makes me think of Elon Musk on his way to Mars. And yeah, God, it'd be great if he didn't land.
0: That would be a, that would be quite the precog, wouldn't it? If in 150 years, the, this, um, the lyrics <laughs> of this song were proven to be true. So the bass is holding that all down while the bleeps and bloops are kind of going all over it. You know, I have a bit of an issue with fall instrumentals usually, but this is perfect because you've got this instrumental section that's really kind of got so much going on. Then it switches to double time and Smith comes in. He's kind of the best of both worlds. There's a drum fill that seems to last about a minute. Sound like they were recorded on the side of the room, and that detuned kind of guitar, and like an anti-solo almost. Lyrically, it seems a bit like a collage, but yeah, there's definitely hints of dystopian, kind of anti-technology, police state kind of uh, paranoia. Yeah, the more I listen to this, the more I like it. Philip, what do you make?
1: I really think this computer thing has gone too far. Uh, this is this is great. That's true absolutely great and it got me thinking about um I was thinking I was trying to listen to the music first of all in it rather than re- listening to it all as a whole and the more that I focused on that guitar the more it got me thinking about sort of um like prepared piano because it's really under tuned isn't it the guitar you can tell the noises making on it and the way the strings rattle and stuff um so it got me thinking about prepared piano as a, as a technique and, and kind of where that starts from so it, it, I went on a bit of a John Cage kind of uh, rabbit hole dive with some of that stuff and listen. Do you know when his first prepared piano piece is from? Or like which 50, one it is? 50,
0: 53, something like that.
1: Like 1940, it's really oh. early. Like uh, Bacchanal, it's called. Um, and it came from the fact that they got asked to do some music for a performance in a school, but they could only fit a grand piano in the room to accompany it. So to add to what he could do with it, that's why he prepared bits of metal within the piano to create the more percussive beats when he was playing so yeah, I, I think in terms of heritage, and and again, like you know, he's an arch modernist, isn't he, Cage? And it's I, I can really hear that attitude if it's not a deliberate sort of uh, influence then it's it's that attitude towards music and what you can do with it and the experimentation deconstructing all that kind of stuff is is flying around in this which i thought was brilliant and and on top of that you've got like this classical piano sound as well haven't you so it makes for a really good mixture of textures and the unpredictability of it because it starts off really really slow and then the tempo builds up just as the vocal kicks in it's like it's it's an odd choice and it works really well um, and it's really inventive. And then he does the whole double vocal thing, like later on, like this sort of dissonant duetting type of thing that's going on with his own voice, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. And then um, I, I looked at the actual record it was from because it's not on an album that's proper, is it? It's uh, it, or was not it on the original release? Of it's, the album? it's
0: Ben Sinister era, but it
1: was it was a B side, yeah. It's a B side of Mister Pharmacist absolute beast of a record what a piece of vinyl to own that's that's absolutely brilliant so yeah i've not heard this song before and i thought it was astonishingly good i think it's it's a proper little
0: gem i think so one of the things you're talking about cage and stuff and craig scanlon is kind of really an unknown quantity in this area but what i do know what i've read is that his musical tastes apparently were the most extreme of the band he was the one who was into the, the more out there music, even though the rest of them still like that kind of stuff. Oh, it was, yeah. And that would make sense. There's not many, like, this is clearly in that experimental vein. There's not much. He's often doing angular stuff and really creative stuff, but um, this is deliberately out there. Uh, absolutely splendid. What does JP think about this track?
1: tuning in the old actor sketch the autotech pilot this was the last track of accomplished and accomplished the false stuff I got early on and I've loved it since then. The spacious and ramshackle collision of sounds space invader bubbles, slow simple descending bass muted and cluttered sounds then building behind a mysterious chatter about state versus the personal tech versus the human. And breakdown and key change, the bad
0: editing and switch back for the chorus just makes me like it more. A low key masterpiece. I want more. Nice, nice, it's nice. Bad. Well, Alistair's had to, to dig himself a new tunnel. So while he's doing that, why don't we move on to Curious Orange? This is a tough one, these two up against each other. But let's have a listen to this Ode to William Three. You're a first, Philip. What do you make of the eponymously, that's not the right word, is it? Titular. Is that the right word? I don't know. Is there a word for this? What do you make of the title track to the I ballet? I thought
1: it was a jolly little number, this. It's, uh, it, I, I'm a bit ignorant of the Curious Orange album, to be honest with you. So I've, I'm coming across these tracks for the first time and I've loved everything that I've heard so far. It's its such a strong album. It's, I'm very creative. And a touch different you know for the for the Peel Court thing. I, I really enjoyed getting into this again I, I'm not as big on the whole kind of ska dubby reggae kind of stuff as you guys are but uh, it had me chuckling this song his, his uh, idiosyncratic pronunciations and spellings adding a, a touch of uh, smithy flavour to it all I thought it was great I, and I think you mentioned about trumpets on the bunker chat early on this week but it's, it's, it sounds like a keyboard to me there's no real trumpets on it oh, no. No, they're not real trumpets. They, they, but it's uh, but yeah, uh, that beautiful ethereal kind of noise that they get going on at the top of the bit. Th- everything's just great. It just sounds like they're having a lot of fun as well. It does sound like a piece of music where everyone's enjoying themselves, and it remind it it. it, it Made me think of those kind of afternoons at a festival where you get this kind of, you get that type of music playing over the top of the bit and it's it, everyone's in a good mood. That's yeah. So it's, I can't think of a better compliment for it, really.
0: It's pleasant, and um, the lyrics, I guess, they're strangely surreal in a way. They kind of fit. Ezra, what do you think of this song?
2: This song is an anthem for me. I absolutely adore it to bits. It's so unbeatably great. And here we've got a really nice piece of joyful kind of boppiness. It just really makes me so happy hearing this song. And the lyrics are so fucking funny. Like, their clothes were cool, paved way for atom bomb. They made the Jews go to school. They sent missionary girls to Arab states, and the sun baked men did drool. They were curious orange. They made Hitler laugh in pain. <laughs> it's so fucking funny and there's these great kind of like sounds which were compared to like an ice cream van kind of sound I always thought that that was like the kind of um, you know on megaphones you often have like a button which will play like a real simple kind of like melody or something or just own that's what I thought that was but god yeah I I just love this song so much
0: nice 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 oh glad to have you back you right. are right. you there?
1: It's hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, What's going oh, on here? What's going <laughs> on? <laughs> What's going on?
3: The internet's broken.
0: Oh, God. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah. broken the internet. Give us, give us your thoughts on both these songs, Al. What do you think of Autotech Pilot and what do you think of Curious Orange? Right, if you can hear what I'm saying, uh, Auto Tech Pilot, very sound
3: Uh It starts off really nice, repetitive kind of groove going on all the scrapy noise on the guitar, the air tunnel discord and sort of Sonic Youthy kind of stuff. Like the obsinthe sounds in the background, it reminded me of a detective movie soundtrack type thing. But at the same time, it did remind me quite a bit of, you know, like the birthday party of Cam uh, at times. But they're really going off on one on this, doing something that's, that's very interesting gets very dramatic when the, the vocals come in. And that snare rush that you mentioned that goes on for ages is, is just
0: awesome. So, yeah, I really liked Auto Tech Pilot. Pulling out the technical terms, the snare rush. Yeah, I knew I shouldn't have gotten into this drumming thing with you, Al. Can't compete. Kiwi Orange made me chuckle, because it always does. Yeah, I remember the, the Fist of
3: Fun skit. Uh, I don't know if anybody's mentioned that. Not yet, um, no. That was, that was quite amusing. I uh, love the sound of the bass, uh, you've got like really like tight, disciplined drumming and it's not like a dead standard sort of beat, so it kind of like keeps it interesting for you. The lyrics amazing, love the vocal delivery, the use of megaphone again, brilliant. But yeah, th- this is like a very, very special song. Though.
0: Nice, good. Curious, I think it was on the Richard Not Judy one, they used to do the live one. I, I didn't know much about The Fall back then. But that was one of my introductions to. um, Are you going to give us a give us a clip? Go on, Phil. We're
1: going to see if I can find it.
2: (laughs) Get your lovely. Is
0: that it? Got some more? We only only got about a second of. Here we go.
1: Curious orange. I don't know who does it.
0: It's not it's not Kevin Eldon who does the orange. The other chap.
1: It's the fat dude who does stuff.
0: I am in love with the world. No, and it's not going to translate to audio. So, what? if you if you if you were just listening to what essentially sounded like a high pitched, badly sung children's song, uh, imagine that the character singing it was a giant orange, a curious orange, if you will. Stuart Lee probably doing more to bring the fall to the masses than uh, anyone else at that time but the uh, insistent hi-hats and the uh, reggae-ish upstroke guitar sweet heavy bass i wanted more heaviness did you notice he fluffs the bass line in the first five seconds but they just go with it there's some wah wah chaka chaka going on there atonal keys and the synth trumpets it is it is symphonic And uh, that's even before you get to the huge big dick orange energy in the lyrics of, uh, they rode over peasants like you. I love the way he says, like you, not like us. You would have been, Smith, you would have been a peasant by then. I wouldn't, mate. Apparently it is about the idea of genetic memories being passed down and this again, the cyclical nature of time and this idea that we all share some kind of common knowledge. So when he's talking... About inventing the atom bomb and um, Stuyvesant cigarettes and stuff. He's basically lumping in anything connected to Holland at any time. Uh, is for a game for this, or Protestantism, or Ireland, or anything that falls even slightly in the remit of this story. It's reminding me a
1: bit of, uh, of like a bogus kind of joke, you know, George Louis who's, uh, who I'm sure Smithy's uh, well, well aware of, but that's the kind of lark that he would pull in writing, isn't it? Yeah. Quite a decent, curious clip, though. Are you ready? Go on then.
2: Hello again, please welcome the part of the show, everyone's calling to co.
3: <laughs>
2: I am curious, Owen. Uh, are you all right, Curious Orange? You look a bit mouldy here. Get off me! <laughs> Fine. Right. It's nothing. I've still got the old Curious Orange magic. All right, all right. I'm sorry. Just calm down, all right? Don't touch me! Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are you uh, curious about this week, the Curious Orange?
3: Oh, I don't want to do this. It's boring. I'm an
2: entertainer. I can do more than just ask questions. I want to sing a song. Uh, you can't sing a song. You've got to ask a question, like, every week. That's why you're the Curious Orange. <laughs>
0: That was indicative. That was my work right editing this stuff together. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And um, action. So let's take a vote. Al has once again gone to um, examine his gold fingers.
1: Let's see what Peely says there, shall we? All right. Another belter, this time a skank catalogue of deeds that feels pungent. The synth horns are pretty funny too. And sound utterly rubbish in the best possible way this might be the most successful lee perry adjacent take
0: succinct and on point as always but the question of the hour is which side is he falling on
1: so he has picked auto tech wins comfortably <sighs> only because it's way more interesting than unique
2: oh
0: la la. ezra where are you going with this
2: I would say they're both interesting and unique, and unsurprisingly, I've got to go with the Curious Oranges.
0: Exactly. You did say earlier in the week that it was one of your big hitters, but I wondered whether the Autotech had wormed its way in.
2: Oh, the Autotech's a wonder, but unfortunately, yeah. It's
0: the nature of the beast, isn't it? Phil? Oh,
1: yeah, this is a this is a toughie. So these were both new to me, really. In terms of giving them a listen and kind of what impression they made on me, and they've, they've both given me a lot of joy in very different ways. Curious Orange, just because it's so much fun bouncing around the air shouting Curious Orange, um, and also because it sent me on that whole John Cage rabbit hole. I think I'm gonna have to go on with AutoTech. I
0: knew you would, I knew you would. Uh, Alistair hasn't given too much away as to which one he would go with. We'll have to wait until he comes back from cleaning his um pipes and i think i am going to go with curious orange so it is up to alistair interest in aspinall if he ever returns to put it out of our misery but for now we can do nothing but move on then move on we shall put that curly whirly back and give us spencer must die the vibe isn't it right. i'll take this one if you don't mind so a lot of change around this levitate album so scanlan had gone two albums before bricks had gone the one before and and hanley and burns are on their way out uh, and walsoncroft this was his last album as well it just sounds like an album from a new band it is this sweet strange mess i do have a soft spot for it the inch boys who only stayed on for a couple of tracks, and it would have been really interesting to see if they'd stuck around. I think they were in on this one. It's like a bed of sounds. The guitars are mixed really nicely. There's a beautiful understated kind of mez. Those kind of looped and sampled drums, maybe that could have sounded really cheesy, they work really well. We mentioned Precog earlier, but the dude who produced this, Simon Spencer, literally did die like four years later. Lyrics seem just Beautiful nonsense, circling around an undefined centre. The centre cannot hold. Radiator, Sean Connery, Mindzine, Amber Dash, JJK Mel, a.k.a. Mel P-B-L-E. Raspberries in tins. Raspberries in tins. It's not often I just say it's beautiful nonsense and don't really look for any bigger themes in there, but I I couldn't get anything other than just, just lovely, lovely wordplay. Ezra, what do you think about this one?
2: This is some black hole jazz, strange pagan beat going on. It's great. It's great. You know, like to me, Levitate kind of stands slightly outside a lot of the fall records, in that it's it's got such a distinct sound that you could, I mean, if you subtracted Marky e. Smith, you you might, you know, you might struggle to identify it as the fall. It's very lovely, you know, like speciality, superb sunflowers from the outskirts. The melodic experience amplified our centuries, raspberries and tins. I I can only click my fingers to that.
1: Beautiful. Philip? It's like an E. Cummings poem for me, this it's it's got that really strange wonderful mess of lyrics it tricked me a bit this record as well the first couple of times i listened to it i wrote it off as oh of all the happy mondays kind of stuff this is the happy mondaysiest but the lyrics because they are so just random and non like edward lee and nonsense even more than that it's like a, a cut up without any any point to it at all but it it just all works in this really bizarre way. And the musical structure is dead strange as well. It's like it keeps changing gears, the song. It's, it's not a standard verse, chorus kind of structure. It, it feels like, like an A, B, C, D, F, G kind of structure. Yeah, I mean, it's not one that I would go. Oh, yeah, I really fancy putting that one on today. But um, but at the same time, I really enjoyed listening to it and picking it apart. It was it was very much a a curious uh, record for me. And I I mean, I can hear other sounds, and you can hear a bit of primal screaming, some of the keyboards, and you can hear. I could even hear the shags in this in places. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's there's all kinds of weird monsters. Very enjoyable. Yeah, very enjoyable to get into.
0: It's a sweet, sweet sound, yeah. What does uh, our friend on the other side think?
1: Classic, classic, he came through with. Spend Must Die, Different Bastard or Precog is his title for this one. This is filthy, sleazy and great. Totally inscrutable lyrics. Couldn't fucking screw it more well. I'm weird when the guitar enters and freezes on a chord. No idea what else to make of it, but I could happily listen to another 20 minutes of it.
0: Nice. It's ticking all of our boxes. This this set of songs tonight, and the, most of the songs tonight, other than Curious Orange, I didn't know that much of. But they all really did something nice, and they're not big hitters. It's just like if someone's made a really nice lo-fi background fall kind of tape. New Formation Sermon up next off you are Missing Winner. It's a, it's a different cat but it has some of the same vibes cure up if you don't mind Phil and
2: the sounds the bits
0: the arms the stressed. Fists on waist, elbows in triangle.
2: The bracing chill of the market has no friend. Like pictures of yours
0: from the 50s. The teeth are out, the gloves are off. What are we saying about this one, Philip?
1: This is very different, isn't it? I know it feels like we say that about every single song, but it's this is uh, it's, Skiffle was the first thing it made me think of. It's got that kind of skiffly beat to it, that carries it along. Some very nice acoustic guitar playing. I'm not sure who's playing the guitar on this, but it was uh. Some quite nice bumpy blues stuff, not like cheese ball. It's at the end of futures and past. This is uh, that's just some quite nice playing, and and stuff that you don't normally associate with the false sound either. I know they do lots of rockabilly and rock and roll and that kind of stuff, but this is this is feels a bit more Mississippi to me. That kind of uh, guitar style which was very nice to hear. It's a bit of an odd, uh, odd vocal performance from Smithy, isn't it, with his teeth out and that, and uh, let it, allowing some more Lancastrian vowels to creep through, I thought, with some of his uh, his pronunciations. And then the uh, the Driving South riff kicking in about halfway through there as well from uh, the sort of Jimmy Hendrix kind of angle, so a, a bit more of a odd cocktail of music going on. So it it reminded me a lot of Johnny Cash. There's something about Johnny Cash's vibe that I got about his vocal delivery in this. It's almost like that hard man of country and Western kind of stirring down the microphone and telling you how it is kind of uh, vibe, although I I couldn't and it tells the actual words themselves, not really sure what he's on about. But I, I enjoyed that. And it also had a bit of the vibe of, it reminded me a bit of Bukowski's poetry, there's Famously, books and books and books by Bukowski of this poetry that he would knock out when he was drunk, and um, it just struck me as like one of those random poems that you would find in one of his multi-volumes of poetry. It's not amazing, but it's not terrible. It's not embarrassing. It's just a bit of a document about what was where they were at in the studio that day. It was it was all right.
0: Yeah, I've noted the lyrics and that they do seem like a snapshot. It's like a photograph, a description that's just a miniature of of a. Of a second or so of some some event that's potentially somewhat meaningless but but again resonates with the with the writer uh, yeah really like that uh, ezra what do you make of this song
2: yeah this is certainly another <laughs> another oddball yeah i also picked up on the the skiffliness of it very nice gargly kind of performance from from the smithster fearsome waste Elbows in triangle, racing chill of the market is no friend, like pictures of yours from the fifties. Smashing <laughs> stuff.
0: <laughs> it's another outlier in a, in a band full of outliers. Country Blues picking Rocker Billy, I totally get the cobb Perkins, Johnny Cash, Sun Studios kind of vibe. And lyrically, just, just beautiful if you just take those lyrics as one image of... I mean, imagine in a fifties beach, you know, we've got a bunch of photographs at my mom's house of my nan and grandad on the beach in Blackpool in the 1950s. I think it's really, really a, a sweet tune from an album that's not got a lot of love from us so far. Um, Alistair. So we're just talking about New Formation Sermon. What's, uh, what's your take on that uh, country rocker? you mute. You're on mute. You're still on mute. We don't know what you're saying.
1: Oh, tell you me. Earlier this week, earlier this week, I phoned up Alistair, right, first time, and I spoke with ear for ten minutes before he realised that my face was actually popping through the other screen.
0: And yet, somehow, he still remains on mute. <laughs> <laughs> mute. Do you, you need us to send someone round? <laughs> um,
3: uh, I, was, I was using, using Macathon for you though. Uh, <laughs>
0: new formation it's not, sermon. It's not my
3: fault you don't understand Macathon. You need to watch more uh, something special. But yeah, uh, new formation sermon, yeah, very kind of Johnny Cash, country R and B kind of sound, very kind of Bat Possum, nice production. It was a really good effort, it's good at what it is.
0: Sweet. And uh, in, it's almost as if you're playing some meta game with this song Futures and Past talking about time displacement, and you're uh, we're having to jump backwards and forwards all over this thing. We didn't get your answer on where you were going with Autotech Pilot or Curious Orange for the last time round. Who would you vote for? It was Curious Orange. That wins it. Yours was the deciding vote. You've made Ezra's day after, after right. months of disappointment. He's finally it was, got it was one a very difficult
3: one because there were two really, really
1: strong songs.
0: I agree. And uh, it's going to be in the bag when in about 10 episodes time we um, we bring through. Uh,
1: I think we should just start up a second league and we should have another show on a Sunday that we do all the League Two songs. Like a B League. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're yeah. The, the rest to the
3: bottom and we get the worst one.
0: <laughs> there's been there's been a bunch of them, but I haven't had one for I a while. two girls, two girls.
3: No, I can't have that. <laughs> All
0: right, so did you you didn't tell us what you thought of Spencer Must Die, right? You're off jagging yeah, off yeah. on your balcony or whatever it was you were up to for the last quarter of an hour. What do you, what uh, do you make of the song Spencer Must Die?
3: I again I quite liked it. It was funny. lace keys, nice groove, two chord slide bass thing going on. Uh with um, sandals. I thought they could I thought that the sound was a bit weird. Yeah, the keys and the guitar, that was a little bit mad.
0: Beautiful. I threw I threw Phil off there with that musical term. He doesn't think I know stuff like that. What was yours? No, no, you, you
3: know about music, but you just
0: don't like it. Oh, I don't like it. That's right. Snur, snare rush. He didn't, you know what, Phil didn't even notice that wah guitar, that track in Curious Orange. I don't think he listens properly a lot of the time.
3: You're not going to like
0: that
3: oh, live, he? No, he oh. looks at it in a very simplistic way, I find. He does,
0: doesn't he? He, approach, I like his, he approaches music like a, like a child, like a toddler.
1: Maybe. I do like well, it. That was what you, you said a number of weeks ago. Exactly,
0: I stand by that.
3: A toddler I, that's not old metal, have, it's uh, milestones.
0: Exactly. Can I have songs by The Offspring? Come on. One. Why are you all talking about it? Let's move on. Enough of this. What does John Peel think? We're losing listeners. They ought to turn it off by the second. <laughs> I can see the numbers dropping in front of my very eyes.
1: I feel like I'm watching one of them episodes of Doctor Who. I've, I've totally lost where we're up to. What song song?
0: We've just talked about New Formation Sermon. We've already right. talked about Spencer Must Die about 20 minutes ago. Right. <laughs> and and um, we don't know what Peel thinks of New Formation Sermon. It's So far, anything to do with Ed Blaney has been very dismissive of. But
1: well, he's put this time, in his inimitable way, a bit of skiffle fluff, does a thing and then fucks off. Happy when it's on, don't really miss it when it's gone.
0: Fair enough. So let's take a vote. Phil, where are you going with
1: these two? I am going to have to go with Spencer Must Die, I think. Okay. Ezra, how about you?
2: Likewise. Spencer Must Die.
0: La la, la. Alistair? Spencer Must Die. And uh, the suggestion from Peel is that he went that way too, I think. Am I right? Ben gets the win. Okay. Oh. And I am also going with Spencer. So it is a route, even though there was some charm in New Formation Sermon. All right, two very, very short songs from the very end of the fall's career. The last LP, New Facts Emerge. Um, Victoria, Train Station Massacre. He's playing the whole thing. He's playing the whole thing. Mark Edward Smith, you magnificent bastard. Rest in peace, Ezra. What do you think make of this?
2: Well, there's nothing really not to like here. Um the the backing, the music is maybe perfunctory, but it's perfectly rocking. Marky e. Smith spreads his gnarled wings over it and completely owns it craving drama it's quite hilarious and it's got maybe for my money best ever use of a backwards section in all of recorded music so yeah you know you're pretty much quids in and it's short
0: it is short it at just over a minute it is a great garagey rock stomper with violent smith vocals Even though we talk a lot about experiment and a lot and doing the grunt and stuff in the last few albums, it was really only this really last album where he pulled out the full on. I'm going for it on this one, and something that I think Steve said the other when we was talking about, or was it? I think it was Steve who was talking about it that he was he was you know obviously really sick when they were recording this album, and I wonder whether that's why it's a minute long, and that kind of makes me a bit sad. So it's like I get to the end and I was like. Uh, maybe that's a minute long because that's all they could get at that time. But I'd like to think of happier times and think that he was like, no, nah, that's enough. minute's enough. But uh, that's not really... You would imagine if this was recorded six years earlier, it would have been eight minutes long. <laughs> uh, but I think it works as a minute. And obviously, the track was recorded and the artwork sent off for manufacturer long before the terrible events in Manchester literally releasing this album the same week that uh, a bomb went off uh, next door to Victoria Station. Uh, I think the idea, I think the, the story of the police questioning him is probably a little bit um, apocryphal, but um, but still, great track. Alistair, what do you make of this Victoria's train station thing?
3: Yeah, well, I do you respect the architecture um... I loved it. Yeah, the, the sort of glam rocky kind of beat that's going on. Yeah, and the the screamy stuff. Uh, it does sound like he's, he's proper going for. It. You definitely get value for money with it. Like uh, even though it's a short one, uh, I, I do like it.
0: Would you go as far as to say it made your day?
3: Uh, it definitely put a smile on my face.
0: Well, that's that's all you can ask for, isn't it? In these, in these...
3: Well, some days, that's all you can ask for. But you know, other days, you know, you might want an ice cream as well.
0: Yeah, you might that. I have a slightly higher expectations, but, um, Phil, Yeah, a metal. a metal, a plastic, a cheap plastic medal that's given to everyone. What's the world yeah. come to? Philip, would you like to critique this track?
1: Thank you, Brandon. Uh, fucking amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Ezra said there's nothing here that, that isn't to and I totally agree. It, the delirious vocal that could strip paint is absolutely amazing all the way through it it's it, it's like he's just cut loose yeah everything everything totally works and I, i'm a, I'm a total sucker for, for reversing things in songs i think it plays to that early fascination of tape recorders and four tracks and things like that and being able to manipulate the sound and it's it's just completely well played here it's perfect yeah, and I I think that the whole kind of subject matter when I was listening to it, it just struck, it struck me as the kind of mundane thing of people rocking up to a train station without the tickets and getting into an argument with the ticket guy, that he's then turned into this huge, fantastic piece of kind of uh, fantasy. Uh, that's, that's more what, what kind of struck me out of it. I can't think of another vocalist who kind of... And you could be poetic about this, but who kind of ran himself into the ground with punk living, and made a complete virtue out of it in his in his artistic output or in their artistic output, and and sounds even more magnificent because of it. There is there is just something mind blowing about the fact that he can. It's like the true artist, isn't it? You, t- you can turn gold out of anything. It's just give me some pieces, and I'll turn can, it into
0: turn gold them. into shit. <laughs> Back to talking
3: about shit again, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) After a week of of just solid
0: shit jokes, listen, (laughs) Phil. Play the last song. Uh, I'm doing a quote to
3: you.
0: think twice Ah, oh, shit mark on Byron and wineglass as the drummer kieran apparently tweeted uh, in celebration of this track on its own obviously it is just marky smith shouting but as a tee up for the next song foldy roll which is an absolute stormer of a track it really does work, and I think had they just tagged onto the beginning of that track, it would have made both tracks stronger. But obviously, by itself, it's quite hard to compare to uh, anything else with the indecipherable lyrics and uh, uh, somewhat messy, messy, if lovely vocals. Al, what do you uh, what do you think of this?
3: I loved it. It's very much like the outsider music kind of approach, uh, if you can call it that. You could say it's lazy. Uh, but I like to think it's very interesting, very creative. Uh, and I do like it when you get something that just, you're like, what, why? Why are you doing this? There's a definite charm to it. I, I really liked it. And again, it's, it's uh, another short ones. And it, it is a shame that they didn't kind of uh, use similar approach to say, systematic abuse. To me,
0: it's art. I totally agree. And it's like, this is a 60-year-old man making his 40-odd album on his way out, and that's how he decides to open it. Kudos. Big steaming balls of kudos to you, Mr. Smith. Phil, what do you make of this?
1: I, I found myself listening to this very late one night this week, and it put the absolute shits up me. I, I, it's it's <laughs> really quite scary to listen to late at night on your own. Uh, it, it's like a cursed... Field recording, or or something out of a dodgy horror movie, or like a Jello soundtrack, or something like that. It's so on, it, on its own. I, I found it quite eerie and odd and disconcerting. I think in the context of an album and leading on to something else, it's uh, it's a bit like their other sort of skitty kind of songs, really, isn't it? It's kind of blinking, you'll miss it a little bit, but um, yeah, it just sounds really weird and eerie. This one, to be honest with you.
0: And interesting to start an album with a song called Segway.
1: <laughs> it doesn't.
0: <laughs> it doesn't link any particular two things, unless someone on the on the annotated force suggested it. It's a link between the Wise Old Man EP, which uh, ends with All Leave Cancelled, which was another really weird song that we loved. So maybe Ezra, what what does this do for you?
2: Yeah, it's quite demonic, isn't it? it, it you know, it's lovely that he maintained the continuity from grotesque with WMC blog. Right up to the end with these kind of terribly recorded, totally random rants, whatever, whatever they are. I mean, it it was an interesting pairing, these these two, because they both caught me off on the back foot, expecting, as you would, something, even with the fall, something slightly more song-like and something lasting... Maybe up to two minutes, rather than. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's great. It's a great start to an album, I reckon. Yeah,
0: indeed. And what does our friend over there in the ether?
2: Peely comes in with pissed Mark hitting a jar with a stick. Shit!
0: Always the objectivist, isn't
1: he? I wonder if he,
0: I wonder if he's got Anne Ran tattooed anywhere on his body.
2: I find it very flowery.
0: At times, that Peely really gets my back up
1: ground your gears, Brendan.
0: But at other times, I think he absolutely nails it. In this case, he's very wrong. Let's take a vote. He's clearly going for massacre. Ezra. It's gonna be the station
2: massacre.
0: Okie dokie, Alistair. Always seg, just to be controversial. That you mind, Philip? Yeah, Victoria Trey massacre. I knew you would. Bottled it at the last minute. Come on, lads, we can make we can put a segue through if we all vote for it. It's in our hands. I'm going for Victoria Train Station Massacre. So um it's gone through. And so that means this evening we have, and you might have to remind me on this, we have slanking, curious orange, Spencer Must Die, and Victoria Train Station Massacre. We've got a couple of minutes. What do we think is our best track? Putting you on the spot. Think quick. Think on your feet.
3: I think I'll go with the slanking. Uh, really nice poppy tune. Uh, you can't beat it.
0: Indeed, indeed. It's a good one. Key, those keys will stay with me. I'll take those to the bank. Ezra, what about you?
2: And their horses love them too. It's got to be the orange. First round
0: KO. Ironically, not. Hey, how about that? Phil, Rigby of Ashton in Makerfield.
2: Me?
1: You? Uh, well, I was going to go with slanking, but obviously these were all contrarians. I'm going to go with the auto attack pilot. Instead, to uh, and, and claim it's because of uh, John Cage and modernism.
0: I am also going to go for Autotech Ball, even though I didn't vote for it, it's the best song, <laughs> I, I, but it's not as good as Curious Orange, but it's also better. It's, I just don't know, you know, life is life, isn't it? La, da, 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 life, well, let's wrap it up there then. The end of this season whatever you want to call it we're going to do a special next week where we'll look at the four albums that came after whatever was the one we stopped on last time so i believe last time we finished up with slates right which would mean hex induction hour room to live perverted by language and wonderful and frightening so have a bit of a listen to those this week and we will uh, we'll chat on those and uh, the uh, part of America they're in came out at a similar time, didn't it? And a couple of others e- EPs and stuff. So um, should be fun. I'll see you all next week.
1: Great stuff. Take easy, chaps.
2: Bye. You up. Bye.
1: Later.